Hey. Hey, Drew. Hi. Good morning. Y'all know who we are, right? No. Does anyone not know who we are? I think that one. You're Drew That's Johnny, right? Yeah, this is. Um, so cool. So we're doing a Q&A. I think everyone here has been here for a Q&A, but just in case, let me quick run through the format here. The format here is you are not primarily asking questions. We are primarily asking you questions. And the reason we're asking questions is because we want to see how much y'all are learning, what y'all have been picking up, what kind of things um, y'all have been getting out of the series we've been doing up to this point. And obviously, as the conversation goes on, if you have questions, you can ask your questions and we will answer those questions. But primarily, we're going to be asking you questions um, pertaining to the series we've been doing on the Emmaus Road. Um, and uh, obviously, there's a lot of different questions we could ask. I'm sure that um, as we go on, y'all will have some questions. Um, but, but to start, um, if y'all remember, um, the last two times that Joe has talked, He's used this sort of analogy of uh, uh, music in a movie, right? Whenever, um, uh, throughout the movie, as the hero is sort of building up to that, that decisive moment in his story, uh, there's a, a consistent theme that plays every time. Sometimes, you know, a little bit more prominent than others. Sometimes it's real subtle. Um, but that hero theme continues to play throughout the movie until we get to that decisive point, until we get to that crescendo where what makes the hero a hero is, is being played out before our eyes. And that's when that hero, thing come, hero theme comes really in, in full force. And as you read throughout the scriptures, um, you sort of kind of see that same pattern, right? You kind of, uh, as you're reading, you're seeing this hero theme continue to come up, continue to come up. And obviously the crescendo that we reach is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's when all of a sudden it's, oh, this is what we've been building to this entire time. And so my first question for you is, what are some of the hero themes that you've seen so far in our study, right? We've covered, I think, I think it's been 16 books. Don't quote me on my math, I might be wrong. But give or take, we're almost halfway through the, uh, well, we're probably over halfway through the Old Testament in terms of volume, but as far as books go, we're almost halfway through. But in the books we've gone through so far, where have you seen this sort of theme come up, right? Do y'all understand the question I'm asking? Yes, no, maybe. Hey, okay. I guess the most recent one Esther. Esther, okay, yeah. She stated, like, her people and stuff like that. And why is that significant? Because they were, uh, God's chosen people. Well, yeah, let me, let me ask it a different way. Why, how is that related to this sort of hero theme that we've been talking about? Who, well, who else saved their people? Jesus. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. That's right. Okay, yeah, that's what I was saying. Okay, Esther, right? We've seen that. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And in sort of a typological fashion, we see Esther being raised up to save her people from, it wasn't sin, but it was from uh, slaughter by the Babylonians. What else? What's another one? There's a couple big ones that I know we've covered. David and there's there's one David okay tell me about David uh, well he was he was always stated to be a, a man after God's own heart and to be like a, a godly king and um, obviously Jesus being God himself being king yeah and um, David was a man after God's own heart but was David perfect no no David was 
was a godly king, but was he a perfect king? No. And so, again, you're kind of seeing sort of, you're seeing that hero theme start to build up, right, start to play, but kind of in a subtle form because it's not, um, it's not fully realized yet, right? Because David's, David's no Jesus, right? But he's sort of pointing to one day there will come a king who is perfect. One day there will come a man after God's own heart who is perfect, who is without sin, right? Who else? Or how else, I guess? Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark? Who built the ark? Noah. 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 Who built the ark? Sorry. My kids have some of these songs playing in the car all the time. So. <laughs> Tell me about them. How was Noah? How was Noah playing into this sort of he built, theme music? He, huh? he built an ark for his family and friends who followed Jesus or followed God. So Jesus is going to build an ark? No. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> Jesus is the ark. Yeah, right. right. Noah put his family in the ark to save them from the flood. How can we be saved by sin? By being in Christ. Right. If you're outside of Christ, you're going to be destroyed. And what, what, did the, what did the waters literally and figuratively represent? More than that. Let me ask you this. Who, yes, God's wrath. There you go. All right, who else? Um, I mean, this is just a, like a very subtle one, but Adam. Sometimes we refer to Jesus as the true and better Adam. Yeah. I mean, it was in the song we just sang, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, but in, so... Um, it's almost like, okay, using that analogy of, of music in a movie, right? Um, where you have the hero theme start to play, and then all of a sudden it becomes real dissonant. And, and the, you know, it takes a turn, and you can tell that, oh, this was supposed to be good, but something went really bad, right? And so how is Adam meant to sort of be the hero, and then what happened that made it turn so bad? Him, him Explain. Eating, him eating the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And why was that bad? Because he was told not to by God. Y'all catch that? So Adam was in perfect fellowship with God, right? And think about this. Before the fall, right, God told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. So in a perfect world, they would have had offspring who also would have been in perfect fellowship with God, right? So we, as their offspring, we should be in perfect fellowship with God, but we're not. And the reason we're not is because, like you said, Adam disobeyed God's commands. And so what was supposed to be a sort of um, a sort of beautiful existence where we, as God's creatures, get to enjoy fellowship with him, took a turn for the worst, because now all of a sudden we're alienated from God because of our sin, right? Who else? I know there's some more Bible stories we haven't covered. Moses? Moses? Tell me about Moses. Um, he led the Jews to the promised land. To yeah, so he led the Jews to the promised land. And how does that sort of point to what Jesus would do? He draws his people towards him. Yeah. If y'all remember, like, the, the story of Exodus, right, the story of Moses 
is almost just a big dramatic picture of the gospel, right? Um, God's, you know, in, in Exodus, God's people were enslaved in Egypt. Um, God raises up a deliverer to come and to save them. That deliverer comes and by the power of God performs these mighty acts and wonders that delivers his people from their sin. Um, they're led out of their captivity. I'm sorry, not out of their sin, but out of their slavery. They're led out of captivity, right? Um, and they're eventually led into fellowship with God, right? And that's pointing forward to our salvation, right? We are enslaved, not in Egypt, but in sin. And we have no hope of escaping ourselves. And quite frankly, even if we could escape ourselves, we wouldn't want to because we like our sin. And that's, what, that's the way all sons of Adam are apart from Christ. But we're stuck in our slavery in sin. And what does God do? He raises up a man, right? Who's also his only begotten son. He's the second person of the Trinity. To come and to do what nobody else could do. To perform these mighty acts and wonders. And he secures and accomplishes our salvation. And ultimately what he's doing is he's leading us, right? In our justification, right? We're made right with God. We're raised from our deadness and sin. We're, we have our hearts of stone taken out and he gives us hearts of flesh. And then his Holy Spirit continues to sanctify us. And eventually we are uh, glorified in the presence of Christ where we get to enjoy fellowship with God forever, right? And so you see that kind of on a small scale in the story of Moses. Does that make sense? Who else? Solomon? How does Solomon? He was, a, he was a wise king who trusted God and God's way. Almost like David. Because he was, you know. Absolutely. But again, just like David, was Solomon perfect? No. no. Eventually, Solomon got swept away by his 700 wives. 700 plus. You get the picture. Who else? Come on, guys. I know we talked about more people. Gideon. Gideon? Okay. Tell me about Gideon. He was able to uh, scare away the opponent uh, through God. Probably more. Yeah. I don't know which one it was, but um, he was able to scare away the opponent. Right. Do y'all remember the story of Gideon? Yes, no, maybe so. Right. Uh, what? Let me ask you this. What book do we find Gideon's story in? Daniel? Judges, wasn't it? Judges. We haven't even covered Daniel yet. Come on now. Yes, the book of Judges. Gideon was a judge, right? God raised up Gideon to, um, to lead the people to deliver them from, I think it was the Midianites, if I remember correctly. Um, and there's a couple of funny things from Gideon's story, right? God tells him, like, hey, you're going to leave my people. And he's like, I don't know. Um, let me put this sweater outside. And if there's, the sweater's wet but the ground is not, then I'll believe you. So he wakes up the next morning and the sweater's wet and the ground is not. And he says, okay, I believe you, but let me give you another test. This time make the ground wet and the sweater dry and then I'll believe you. And then God does it and he believes him. You know, so there's some, some interesting things there. But specifically, what's your name? Josh. Josh. The story that Josh is referencing 
Um, Gideon was tasked with putting an army together, right? And he starts out with like, you know, 10,000 people, ends up whittling it down to 300, right? Against an entire Midianite army. And what does he do? He ends up using some very shrewd tactics, ends up scaring everybody in the Midianite camp. They end up, you know, killing each other, right? Pretty cool. But you see that it, the key thing with Gideon is that Gideon trusted in God and God, and God through Gideon was able to accomplish deliverance for his people, right? In the same way that it says that, you know, we see Jesus obviously trusted his father. He said, I only, I only do what I see my father doing. And by the power of God, he was able to accomplish the salvation of his people, right? So again, we're seeing kind of these similar themes throughout the whole book, all sort of culminating in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Do you have another one? Yeah, I was going to say Rahab. Rahab? Who was Rahab? She was the, she was the, the woman and was it Jericho, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and she, she helped uh, harbor some of the, the Israelite spies. And she realized, she was like, wow, your God is the true and like all-powerful God. And she trusted that power so much that she was like, she basically put her, her faith and her trust into the Israelites and their God. And because of that, when the Israelites came and destroyed all of Jericho, only her house remained standing with a scarlet thread. Yeah. So how does that tell us, how does that point us to Jesus? Because Jesus is literally the scarlet thread. Like if you put your trust in your, your hope into him, you remain standing when everything else falls. That's good. Who else? Y'all got any other questions? I do. Yeah. Alright, so could God have written the Old Testament more like this? That there's just a series of events that's mainly completely unrelated to the story of redemption in Christ. But in every book, there was like a chapter devoted to details about, okay, when the Messiah comes, he's going to ride in on a donkey, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that, he's going to do this, he's going to do that. The end. Could God have done it that way? Of course he could have. Why do you think he chose to do it the way he did it? And, and what I mean by that is that he, it's this story arc that we see in the Old Testament, like Drew said, building up to what Christ would be and do. Um, why, why do you think he did that? So if the end goal, when you said, truly is to point towards Jesus, then every story written in the book should have the, the, uh, the undertone, the, the slight thing of pointing to God. It's like it's a little redundant to make a, a lot of books with a bunch of unconnected stories within just one chapter be devoted to it. Because if that message truly is as important as it's supposed to be, every word of every story of every book should be pointed to him, right? Absolutely. Very good. And it really is. There are a lot of people that read the Old, Tes Old Testament the way that that Logan just talked about in the sense that they're just kind of unconnected stories. And there's a way to read the Old Testament and kind of come away with that if you're reading it wrongly and not seeing Christ in it and not seeing him as the 
kind of the purpose and the, um, the point of all of it. Um, there's another thing too, you know, why do you think we engage with, enjoy, and like stories as people, as humans? Did we come up with, did humans come up with that and be like, hey, who, why, why do we like, why do we like that? Did we kind of evolve into liking that? No. Where did that come from? Our love, a human's love of stories. It's a very simple answer. It's a Sunday school answer. You got it, Josh. What is it? God. God put that in us, didn't he? And so he wrote the Bible. He, he designed us to love and embrace stories. And particularly the story, the great story of Christ. It's the story. It's what the Bible is about. Not only the Bible, guys, listen, it's what the entire world has been about is Jesus Christ. And we've seen crescendos like the cross, and there's still many yet to come. Like one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we still have some crescendos left <laughs> um, in the story and in the song, no doubt. But think about that. God created humans to love stories. And then he puts this incredible story arc in, in these smaller stories in the Old Testament pointing us to Christ. And this is kind of what I'm getting at. What did the guys on the road to Emmaus say happened to their hearts after Jesus testified about himself in the Old Testament. Josiah? Their hearts were burning. Their hearts were burning. What does that mean? What does it mean for your heart to burn? It was filled with passion. Yes. Passion. It was like, man, never seen that. That's awesome. My heart, I'm just, oh, I don't, I can't put it into words, you know, when your heart burns like that, you're just like, oh. And so, first I want to ask you, have there been any moments through this whole series that that's happened to you, where you, you've seen something about Jesus, something about um, the way the Old Testament points to Jesus that, you, that has made your heart burn? That's when you're like, oh, man. He did that. He was that character. He f fulfilled that ultimately or whatever. Have any of y'all, you can just raise hands. You don't even have to really tell me unless you have something specifically you want to tell me. And some of you, I think, have been telling us already in, in the, how you've been asking, answering Drew um, on the things you've, you've seen throughout the book. But have, have any of y'all had any of those moments where you're like, oh, Emma, you have? Aiden has. I see. I see that hand. I see that hand. <laughs> I couldn't help. So anyway, that is um, that's a question, and it's a challenge as well as we continue to go through uh, the road to Emmaus. Is that's what we want? Is for y'all's hearts to burn within you for Christ? 
so that we love him, that we live for him, that we obey him, that we glorify him, that we believe in him, all of those things. So, Along those lines, um, we have covered with Esther and Keith last week, that's the historical books. We have completed the historical narrative of the, of the people of Israel and God's plan in redemption. So from the creation to this point, there's been roughly 3,000 to 3,500 years. So all the stories that, you have, that we've covered, it's not an accident. We know that for a reason, and that's what I think this series is all about, to make you understand that they're not a bunch of disconnected stories. I grew up in church. They, I was taught these stories in a disconnected way. They're neat stories, there's heroes in, in the Bible, but never did they point it to Jesus. This is a big thing, and, and it's something that, that I'm glad we're doing it. It's been helpful to me. I think these guys can testify. Studying this with this intentionality has been helpful to me. Um, but going back to the thing that Drew started out, Ruth, y'all remember the book of Ruth? Who was, who was the Christ figure in that? In that story? Anybody have any idea? I know who you're talking about, but I don't know who's in Boaz. Why? Who was Boaz? He was the kinsman. <laughs> kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. Who is Jesus? He is the Redeemer. So this story of redemption from the fall to where we are now to our day, this is the story of redemption, and that's what this is pointing to. All of it points to God redeeming a people in creation for himself, and, and he does, does it through Jesus. And I hope you all see this, and as you read your Bible, ask these questions. Why does this seemingly mundane section of Scripture is there for a reason. We know about it for a reason. Why? And ask those questions. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, kind of taking, taking a slight turn, kind of on the, on the same path. Um, and I'm going to ask you to be honest, not necessarily for our sake. If you're honest with us, that kind of is neither here nor there. But for your own sake, you need to be honest with yourself about this. Um, how many of you read your Bible every day? How many, how many people read it, let's say, once a week? At least. Right? If you go to church, you read it once a week, I'm just saying. So it should be everybody. <laughs> right? Okay. Now, I'm, we're not here to scold y'all. That's not, that's not the point of this. But I do want to challenge you. It's important to be in your Bible every day. Okay? Uh, to some degree or another. If it's just a verse, if it's just a chapter, if it's a, I'm going to read you know, three or four chapters like we've been doing in our daily reading with our uh, devotional series, you know, however you do it, it's important to read your Bible and to meditate on it daily. Um, and, and so w with that, let me ask you this, how many of y'all struggle to read your Bible? And when I say struggle to read your Bible, you read it and go, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Right? It happens to all of us at, at one point or another. And 
look, all of us up here, we're all grown men. Um, all of us up here have been Christians for a long time. All of us up here have been reading our Bibles for a long time. And all of us encounter things in the Bible that we go, I got no idea what I'm doing here. I don't know what this means. And it requires us to dig and to study and to find out. Um, now, uh, let me share with you um, uh, real quick, uh, kind of like what Brad was saying. I grew up in church. Um, I cannot remember a time um, that I did not know who Jesus was. Um, you know, now, granted, with that, I don't know. Um, you know, I believe I was saved at a very young age, but I had really minimal knowledge of the Bible. I had minimal knowledge of the scriptures. I had minimal knowledge of who Jesus was or why it mattered. Um, I used to say really dumb things um, to other people, pretending like I knew something about the Bible, and actually I was teaching heresy, right? Like, it happens. Um, it, it, honestly, it's in our own ignorance, but it happens. Um, but I remember, I think I was 22 at the time, um, and I really had a passion for God. I really had a passion for reading my Bible, but I still, every time I'd open it, I'd go, I don't understand what I'm reading, and I don't know how to make sense of it. Because at the time, I don't know if you all remember this, I kind, of, um, I kind of talked about this several months ago, but we live in an age where, uh, of experts, right? You can't say anything unless you're an expert. Right? And sadly, that sort of mentality is transferred to Christians and to reading our Bible. We look at the Bible and we go, I don't know what this means, and I'll never know what it means because I'm not an expert. And the only way I become an expert is if I go to Bible college for four years, and then I go to seminary for four years, and then I spend another two years or four years or however many years getting my doctorate. And then maybe, maybe then I'll be an expert. But then you listen to some people with their doctorates, and they're just spewing nonsense, and you go, oh, okay, so even the doctors don't know what they're talking about. So maybe I'll never find out what the Bible means. And so for a long time, I, I read my Bible this way. I looked at it and I said, I have no idea. First of all, I don't know what it means, and I have no idea how to find out what it means. Because you do a Google search, you know, you see something, you do a Google search, and you get 15 different conflicting opinions about whatever this passage means. And, and so it was very frustrating for me because I wanted, I wanted to know what the Bible said, and I wanted to know what it meant. And I struggled so much to find it, and I remember, I was listening to a lecture series by a guy named Wayne Grudem. He's been around this church. You've heard us talk about him before. Um, he wrote a systematic theology book. If you're interested in what systematic theology is, we can have that conversation a little bit later. Um, but he was doing a lecture series through this book he wrote on systematic theology. And I remember hearing him say this. And I want to say, um, I want to say I was driving when I was listening to this. And it was like, it was almost like a light bulb went off in my head, and I went, oh my goodness, I can understand what the Bible says, and I can understand what it means. And here's all that he said. As he said, when we look at the Bible, we have to understand two key principles about the Bible. And if you've been here around this church, if you've been here in the student ministry, you've heard this before. The two key principles you have to understand about the Bible is that first and foremost, it is about God. Right? Yeah, you all have heard that before, right? You've heard us say that before. The Bible is about God. And the reason this was significant for me is because I had no idea how to understand the Old Testament in particular, right? I could understand the Gospels. I could understand, you know, uh, a lot of the New Testament because they explicitly talked about Jesus. But when I read the Old Testament, I go, I don't understand what this story is or how, it, or how it's connected. I don't get it. Um, but understanding that first thing, that first and foremost, this book is about God. I said, ah, I can read the book of Esther, which doesn't mention God explicitly by name, not once. I can read Esther and I can ask the question, 
what is Esther telling me about God? And it, it completely revolutionized the way I read the Bible. I could read some of the minor prophets, right, who some of the stuff they talk about is just bonkers. And if, if you have no idea about um, Israel's history, it just seems completely absurd. But I could, I could read Amos, right? And I could say, what is Amos telling me about God? I didn't, you know, obviously the questions, okay, what's the, histo- what, what's the history here? What time period did he write? What things were, was he referencing? Those are important questions to ask. But if we don't have that primary question, what is this telling me about God? All that secondary stuff is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We have to get the first things first. What is this telling me about God? So that was, that was the first thing that really just completely changed the way I read scripture. And I hope that it changes the way you read scripture as well. And then the second thing he said, so it was two things, right? There's two key principles when it comes to reading scripture. First is it's about God, right? First and foremost, it's about God. What's Genesis about? God. What's Exodus about? God. What's Leviticus about? God. On and on and on it goes. The second thing is that everything, cent- everything in the Bible centers on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament is looking forward to him, is anticipating him, is leading us to him. Everything in the Gospels is about him. And everything in the Epistles and in the Acts after the Gospels is looking back to him. Right? And so understanding that, again, I could, I could read my Bible and ask the question, okay, what is this telling me about God? And then the second question I can ask, how is this pointing me to Jesus? Okay, I read some, I read some things in Esther that, that tell me a good deal about God. Obviously, he cares for his people. He raised Esther up for such a time as this. Um, obviously, uh, you know, th- there's some historical things that are very significant. But after that, I could ask the question, how does this point me to Jesus? And then all of a sudden I could see, ah, I get, I get it. I see where Esther fits into the big picture here. And I can understand how to make a connection from Esther to the Gospel of John. Right? I can understand how to make a connection from uh, Malachi right, to the Gospel of Matthew. Does that make sense? Is that helpful for you? Yes, no? Did you all know that already? Are you all way ahead of me? Because right? like I said, I was in my early 20s when I finally figured this out. Right? So I had spent... 22 years up until that point in church. And I was completely confused up until that point. But that's the whole point of this series that we're doing, right? Do y'all remember the story of the Emmaus Road? Somebody tell me the story of the Emmaus Road. Or somebody started and somebody else finished it. Two people were walking down a road. When? 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 After Jesus died and was reckoned. Okay. Okay. Right. So they're walking on the road, and then a, a, a being appears to them, and they're talking about, I think they're talking just about the Bible, right? And then the being starts talking to them about it as well, and about each individual story, and how it points to the Messiah. And then afterwards, like we stated, when the being leaves, their hearts are burning with passion. That's right. Who remembers where the Emmaus Road is in the Bible? Luke. Luke? Good job. Okay. All right. What, what chapter? I'm just kidding. It's the last one, 24. Okay. But, but listen, right? Exactly. Logan's on the right track. But let me read to you from, um, um, from Luke 24, right? Um, and so, yes, there's two men walking on the road. Jesus appears to them. 
Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? And they're like, where have you been for the last three days? Like, do you not understand like all the things that just happened? Um, and so they start explaining to him about this Jesus and about the fact that he died and this, that, the other thing. And this is in verse 25 of Luke chapter 24. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, this is the key, beginning with Moses and with all of the prophets, he interpreted to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Right? So Jesus, right, these guys, did, they didn't get who Jesus was or what he came to do. And he says, you know, in the nicest way possible, you idiots. Like, I gave you a book that told you what was going to happen. Right? And what book was that? What book did he give them? But what part of the Bible? The Old Testament. The Old Testament, right? They had the Old Testament scriptures. Are you so foolish to believe all the things that the prophets have spoken? And then beginning with Moses, right? The books of Moses, first five books of the Bible, and with all of the prophets, right? He interpreted to them all of the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus walked through the scriptures and told them, hey, all of this was pointing to me. And that's what we're trying to do here in the series is obviously give you some good information about these books, right? Give you some good historical information, some good contextual information, help you understand, you know, what kind of book it is, what kind of uh, literary style it was written in. But ultimately, we want you to see that these books, all of them are pointing to Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what it's that's what we're that's what we're heading towards. Does that make sense? Also, again, going back to where we are, Josh was going to do Job tonight. That's the first book of the, the five poetic books. And it's, so from here on out, we're gonna, these books are going to go back into the historical sections that we um, have covered already. And I thought about this. I listened today uh, to Keith's teaching again um, that he did last week. And this jumped out at me. We're going to see in the prophets, uh, we're going to have flashbacks, and it's going to look back. It's also going to prophesy forward. Uh, but as he taught Esther, and if you read the book of Esther, and what is happening there, does anybody know what Jeremiah 29 11 says? It's a lot of people's life verse, even though they're not ancient Israel. For I know the plans that I have you have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not for evil. Now as Esther unfolds, it doesn't look good for the people of Israel. They're very, very close to being eradicated from the, off the place of the face of the earth, never to be heard from again. And there are many nations and nationalities that their people do not exist anymore. They have been eradicated from the there's no descendants of them anymore. Uh, and in fact, Haman, his ancestors do not exist anymore. He was the last. But I sit there and that, that verse comes to my mind. I go, now see, that would have made a lot. That would have, if that come to mind as I'm an Israelite, that that promise that the prophet Jeremiah wrote many years back prior to the exile that they are currently in, now that resonates with me because it doesn't look good and they all knew this and then we know how the story ends 
and they prosper and they're still a people to this day. So when we read the Bible, we need to read it in that light. First ask who was the original audience? Who, it's not written to us initially. We don't look, well, what does this mean to me? It doesn't matter what it means to me, or you, or anybody. What does God intend us to get from what he has uh, uh, written for us and inspired us to know? Um, so that would be helpful. It was something that was helpful for me because, again, um, Kaylin mentioned it earlier. I learned as a child, and some of you may have as well, the story of Noah and the ark. Now, you, that's an awful story to tell children. That's the wrath of God on everyone on the planet except for eight people. And he kills every one of them. He drowns every one of them. And that, we tell that to children. Why would you tell children that? I mean, it's a good thing, but you need to, if we're going to tell them that, that's not a happy story. That's not about God saving a bunch of animals through this big boat that Noah made. That's God's wrath on sin. Because before he does that, he says in the Bible, he wished that he hadn't even made mankind. Like that, you know, think about that for, you know, that's, it's not a happy, warm story. So it's, it's the seriousness of sin and, and read these stories correctly. And then the church, for the most part, at least the one I grew up in, and many of them, uh, they, do, they do us a disservice in the way it's taught. Do y'all have any questions for us? We all read the Bible. What, what he's saying is make sure you read it in the right context. Because the, the next book that I'm studying is Ezekiel. And there's Ezekiel's, it's going to be a hard one. Um, but I was listening to it the other day, and there was a verse that popped out. And the mother was a certain profession. I'm not going to go into detail what it was. But the verse was the, like mother, like daughter. I actually know somebody who used this verse and gave it to their mother and didn't know what the context of it meant. So when you go back and read the Bible, it was say, hey, look, Mom, I'm just like you. But yes, so I'm saying, so when you read the Bible, make sure you have the correct con context of the verses that you're like. But he's talking about Jeremiah 29 11. You have to take it in context of what, who was he writing to and what was he saying. Okay, does that, does that make sense? And lastly, along those lines, if you read all of the Bible, there's language in the Bible that is, it's not, and it's not for shock value, but it is absolutely meant to drive home a point of the seriousness of sin and, and the offense that, that we as sinners have towards a holy God. And again, Hollywood has nothing on the stories of the Bible and the, even the language that God himself uses in indicting his people. All right, so we'll, we'll kick it back to you guys. Do you all have any questions for us about anything we talked about tonight? Is there anything coming to mind maybe that we cover that you go, I don't, I don't get it? You know, Keith talked about Esther and, you know, 
why did he call him Xerxes, but the Bible calls him Ahasuerus? What was that about? A whole list of names. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, why did he go by so many different names? You know, stuff like that. Are there, do you all have any questions about anything? They do. <laughs> Seriously. They don't even know what questions to ask. <laughs> I'm not laughing. All right. Well, let's 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 do this real quick, okay? So we've covered Genesis through Esther. Do y'all have any questions about Genesis? Who's the big Who's the big figure in the Book of Genesis? God. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a there's a few. Yeah, it's about God. You're correct. Um, but you know, we read about the fall. We read about Noah. We read about some other folks, and then all of a sudden we get to this individual who sort of really becomes the central figure, kind of for Genesis, but really for the rest of the Bible. His name starts with an A. Abraham. Abraham. That's right. Who was Abraham's son? Isaac. Who was Isaac's son? Jacob. Who was his other son? Esau. Esau. Great. Okay. Um, let's see. What, is, what, what else? What else? Does, what other name does Jacob go by? Israel. Israel. Okay. Uh, what about Exodus? Do y'all have any questions about Exodus? Who's kind of the main figure in Exodus? Huh? Moses. Moses. Who was Moses' son? I'm kidding. I don't remember. <laughs> All right. What about Leviticus? Any questions about Leviticus? Who's the main figure in Leviticus? Yeah, Moses. Yeah. Do y'all remember what Leviticus was about? Leviticus is one of those flyover books that you kind of just get through to get through, and we don't really spend a whole lot of time in it, so I get it. Was it like the laws? The laws. That's right. The name Leviticus, uh, I don't remember what language it comes from, but it essentially literally means things pertaining to the Levites. Right? It had to do with the law. Uh, after Leviticus was Numbers. Who's the main figure in Numbers? Moses. Moses. Yeah. Do y'all remember what Numbers was about? Huh? It's in the name. Counting. <laughs> Counting what? Or who? People. People. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. Yeah, they counted the blessings instead of sheep. Uh, what about Deuteronomy? Who's the main figure in Deuteronomy? Moses. Moses. But in Deuteronomy, he's handing off the mantle, right? Do you all remember what the, the title Deuteronomy means? It's a compound word, Deuteronomos. Two. Two. Second. Two names. Huh? Second what? Name. Second. No, no, no. Second name. Second name. Once removed on his mother's side. What did God give Moses? The law. The law. It's the second giving of the law. Right? So Deuteronomy takes place right before they're going into the promised land. And so Moses is giving them the law once again as they prepare to go into the promised land. Right? And who does he hand the mantle off to? Aaron. Caleb. Joshua. Huh? Joshua. Joshua. Which is the next book. Right? Who's the main figure in Joshua? Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. Moses. 
And what did Joshua? What did Joshua do? Like, what was his big? Like, what was his deal? Huh? Something about what? He took down the walls of Jericho, right? He conquered Canaan. That's right. Yeah, he conquered a bunch of places. But Jericho, right? Y'all remember they just marched around the city and then the walls fell down? Pretty insane. Did Joshua do that? Who did that? Hey, you're catching up. All right, after the book of Joshua is the book of? Judges. Judges. Who's the main figure in Judges? The Judges. The judges. There's a lot of them. Yeah, the Judges. Samson. Maybe some Judges. We talked about Gideon. Who's, who knows Samson. some other? Samson's another one? Deborah. Deborah. Who was, who was actually the judge <laughs> with Deborah? Because Deborah did judge Israel, but there was somebody else who was supposed to, but he was kind of handsy. Can you say that again? Sorry, Wasn't it like Barack or something? Barack, that's right. Yep. Uh, who's another judge? Tell me about some other ones. Those are the only ones I can think of, I'll be honest. Okay, so Samson. Samson? What, what is the way that Samson points to Christ? He sacrificed himself for his people. Yes. How, and even how did he die? He's, he crushed himself. Yes. Yeah, so the, the, he pushed the pillars and the rocks, crushed him. Yeah. yeah. So in his death, he, he won. He, his greatest victory was his death. His death right? Right. So he killed more Philistines in his death than he did exactly. in his life. Well, that was that was for and, and that's a unique way to die and win a victory for the way he did it. Yeah. And and so that uniquely points to what Christ, how Christ would win the victory over sin and death for us. Right. And after the book of Judges. Is the book of Ruth? Who's the main figure in Ruth? Ruth. Ruth. Who is Ruth's mother-in-law? Naomi. Naomi. Who was Ruth's sister-in-law? Okay. It's Orpah. Uh, who was uh, Who was Ruth's father-in-law? Well, well, tell me what happened to him. What happened to his father-in-law? He died. Yeah. yeah. Who else died? Their sons. Their sons. Yeah. Who redeems Ruth? What's his name? Boaz. Boaz. It's very good. And what else is significant about Ruth? Do y'all remember how the book of Ruth ends? Right. Boaz redeems them, and then it says, Boaz, father. So-and-so, who fathered so-and-so, who fathered so-and-so, who fathered so-and-so. And what does it ultimately tell us? David. Like David, right? So Boaz is like his great... He's great, very old father. His great-great-grandfather or just great-grandfather? Anyways. All right, and then after Ruth, right? Which book is after Ruth? Samuel. Sam, the Samuels, right? Who's the main figure in Samuel? God. Samuel. Is it really Samuel, though? I mean, Samuel's kind of a, a central figure, but who's, who's he primarily writing about? Saul and David. What? Saul and David. Saul and David, right? Mainly David. Mostly David. 
Mm -hmm. All right, and then we have first and second kings. Who are the central figures in the kings? Kings. What about the chronicles? Who are the central figures in the chronicles? What happened when the kings were? The kings as well. Yeah, exactly. Do y'all have any questions about those books? I know those ones are first, first and second kings and first and second chronicles. In my opinion, are are tough books because it covers a lot of time and it doesn't give you a whole lot of information. And so trying to really understand, okay, what actually is going on can, can sometimes be tough. All right, so we've got first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Which one's after that? Ezra. Huh? Ezra. Ezra. Who was Ezra? He was a person. Correct. He was a human. Huh? He was a human. He was a human. Uh, where was Israel? During the time of Ezra. In exile. In exile. Right? He was a prophet. They were in exile. He was a scribe, wasn't he? Is that right? Yeah. A scribe, priest. And who was a contemporary of Ezra? He's also, I guess not the author, but he's named in the next book. Nehemiah. Huh? Nehemiah. Nehemiah. That's right. What did they build? Nehemiah and Ezra in exile. What did they build? So, here it is. I forgot. It was around Jerusalem. The temple. Yeah, and the city of Jerusalem. The temple. So, the temple's just. God liked the way the building looked, so he wanted a temple there. Right, that's, what, that's the significance of it. Building the walls of Israel is akin to like fixing a pothole on the street. That's kind of all that God was doing, right? God would look down and he was like, Oh, I miss that really pretty building with all those sparkly gold. Is that what it was about? No. No, what was the temple about? It's for the meeting, the meeting place. Uh, it's supposed to hold the God's intimacy with Israel. Because you had the place of the Holy of Holies where they would do the sacrifices. And uh, the, hmm? the of the covenant? Ark. 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 Yeah. yeah. And that represented God's presence. Presence. Okay. And so you remember Haggai prophesied that there was a more glorious temple to come and pointed to Jesus. Yes. And also... Who is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit dwell on our earth? Yes. Christians. Yes, so Ephesians 2 says we're being built up into a holy temple in the Lord. All right, and then la the last one we covered was Esther. Who was Esther? The queen. Was she a queen always, though? No. No, she was just a girl. But then she became a queen. So what? What's significant about her? She kept her She's part of God's plan. She saved her people. Yeah. So what was the difference between her and Jesus in that sense? She didn't die. That's right. She was willing to, but was spared. Jesus was willing to and did die. Who deserved to die more, Esther or Jesus? Esther. Esther. And also, she didn't know if she was going to die. Jesus knew he was going to die. 
Awesome. All right, this is your last chance. Y'all have any questions for us? Yeah, seriously. Hey, so in all honesty, like I say, Q&As give us a chance to really kind of evaluate and see where you guys are. And obviously, the reason we want to do this is not because we want to put you on the spot, because we want to scold you. But really, um, if y'all had said, hey, you know what? Um, y'all are great teachers and we really like it, but Joe, man, every time Joe gets up and talks, I just, I have no idea what he's saying, right? As much as that would hurt, that would help us to know that, okay, what can we do? What can Joe do to help communicate a little bit clearer? Right? That, that's another reason we're asking these questions, because if in some ways we're not making sense, we want to make sense. Right? We want to communicate clearly to you. And so us being able to ask you questions also gives us a chance to sort of take stock of what we've done so far and look for ways to improve. Because more than anything else, we want you all to understand these things in, in the scriptures. Does that make sense? Do you all enjoy these Q&As? You don't have to say yes if you don't. Right? Eh. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Well, like I said, we'll probably do one again one day. We'll see. I don't remember the last time we did one. It's been a year. It's been a while. But um, we definitely appreciate y'all indulging us, y'all giving us the chance to ask questions, y'all asking good questions and giving good answers. Um, and so um, hopefully, hopefully it's fruitful. I will tell you this. Um, we post all of these, all of these student services, we post them on a YouTube page. Um, if you listen to somebody teach, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to them teach again. Yeah, can I speak to that? Yeah. This is a strange phenomenon. I don't know what it is, but I'm this way. It may be the, the type of processor that I am. Maybe I'm more audio than visual or I, I don't know. But it seems if I hear a sermon and then within a few days go back and listen to that same sermon... I, I'd hear so much that I didn't hear, and I understand so much of what I didn't understand. Um, maybe it's because I'm in my own thoughts and head and kind of just trying to keep up the first time. And then the second time, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that and that and that. So I think it would be really beneficial for y'all to um, maybe sometime, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday listen to the message again um and i think it would really help you in in understanding the the content so yeah and right now we only put it on youtube but if y'all are listening and y'all are like hey i know it's on youtube but it'd be so much easier if it was on spotify i can make that happen okay y'all just need to tell me and let me know okay but definitely go back and listen to it you know we put it out there really for your benefit so that y'all can Y'all can go back and learn. Okay. All right. Well, if y'all don't have any questions for us, um, then I will pray for us and we'll, we'll get out of here. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much just for bringing us here to this place. Lord, we thank you for a building uh, where we can gather. Lord, where we can learn about you, where we can read your word, uh, where we can come and fellowship with one another. We can come and we can worship you. Uh, Lord, I pray for these students. I pray that as we continue... Um, to walk through this series on the Emmaus Road, I pray that um, I pray that your word would be clearly communicated. Um, I pray that your spirit would begin to work in their hearts and would cause their hearts to burn with passion for Jesus as we study and explore the scriptures. Um, uh, be with us as we leave this place, Lord. I pray that you would keep everyone safe. 
um, and that you bring us back here once again uh, to fellowship, to worship, uh, and to learn more about you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.